is a Woodside Church podcast. And uh, he's my friend. He's one of our leaders here. He's been serving the church for a number of years. He's a teacher by profession, but has a great passion for the Lord. He's a worship leader. He's a community group leader. And I welcome uh, Talks Oreki to the stage. Thank you. You begin. Thank you. Good morning, church. Can, can you hear me? Okay. Um, it feels very, nerve, very nerve-wracking. I can stand in front of a thousand students and, and speak, but when you're standing in front of um, your mates, it's a bit hard. But I'm glad for one thing today. I am with family. So it's, um, it's family time. So I'm not talking to you like I will be talking to strangers, but I'm talking to you like I will be talking to my family. So whatever I'm sharing with you today, it's, I'm sharing, I'm also talking to myself. Um, I'm going to continue with our series on, on 1 Samuel. And this has been going on before the Easter break. And um, thank you so much to Felix for such a brilliant expose last Sunday on David and how he conquered his fear and was able to you know, defeat Goliath. That was an amazing message. Um, it's hard to, to actually follow on from there. But um, my talk today is from 1 Samuel 24, and we're going to look at David as we've never seen him before, a side of David that is not often preached about. But I'm glad that I got to talk about it because it kind of reflects with me. And I've titled this message, The Heartbeat of a Forgiving God. Because of last Sunday at the consumed meeting, there was a message that came and it it resounded so much with me about us getting to know the heartbeat of God. And that the heartbeat of God shows where God is at. Amen. So we're going to look at the whole of um, 1 Samuel 24. And what I've done is to look at each section of the, uh, the chapter, and then we'll look at how that applies to us and what God is saying to us. So looking at verse 1 to 7, um, it says, After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of, uh, of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. And David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, David, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed 
or laying my hands on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. So with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. So a few things that we get to see from this verses. The first thing is that David was a humble man. As a young boy, he was humble. And despite the fact that he was already anointed as king, and if he killed Saul in the cave there, he would have been justified. For one reason, Saul had been trying to kill him. And this was known by everybody, even by David's own best friend, Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan knew his father wanted to kill David. So if David had chosen to say, okay, this is my chance, I'm already anointed king, I would take him out and, you know, take over his, you know, the throne. But David did not. Instead, he didn't feel that being anointed king was in his right to, to, to grapple for it. And that kind of reminds me of Christ in Philippians 2.6 when it says that Christ being in the very nature, God, did not consider equality with God as something that, you know, he needed to use to his own advantage. But instead, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So David, like Christ, humbled himself and chose not to take the advantage that he had over Saul. But in the eyes of the world, there was nothing wrong if David did that. After all, the, in those days, it was an eye for an eye, a life for a life. So if you can kill your enemy, you were justified. But yet David did not. And then the second thing was that David chose to do the will of God rather than you know, his own plan. His friends could have convinced him to kill Saul and claim the throne, but instead he chose to do the will of God. And this was a very clear indication that David truly knew the heart of God. Because God, what I've discovered is that the ways of the world is often opposed to the ways of God. And so David could have gone the ways of the world, but he chose to take the route of the path of God. So this shows that David knew, not just knowing God, but he knew the heartbeat of God. And he knew that wasn't the right thing to have done then. And again, just like Christ, in Luke 22, 42, David, um, Christ was talking to God and he said, look, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. So Christ, the pain of crucifixion, he knew that. And he would have willingly not wanted to go through it. But instead, he chose to do the will of God and sacrifice himself. The third thing that I've discovered about David in this verse is that David revered God. He did. You know, the fact that he felt remorse for cutting off the helm of 
Saul's garment shows that David had a deep understanding, a deep reverence for the things of God. He still saw Saul as king. Even though he knew that he is the God-chosen king of Israel, but in the eyes of David, he still saw the anointing that was on Saul. So that was why he said that, why should I, you know, um, do this to, to the Lord's anointed? We see this also, I mean, David's reverence for God. When he went to bring back the ark from the home of Obed-Edom, the extravagance, the, the worship, the dancing, the David was, it was like he was doing every, he went all out to show God his heart. And the Bible says that he was dancing to the extent that his boxers, if they wore boxers then I don't know, but his boxers was showing and, you know, he didn't care. He told his wife, Mika, who then rebuked him for dancing so extravagantly before the Lord, he said, I will make myself even more foolish for my God, because I don't dance for man, I dance for my God. Amen. So going on from 8, verse 18 to, um, to 15, then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself. With his face to the ground, he said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hands on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut it off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See, that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrong you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. So, again, we can see that David had a deep understanding of what was appropriate. He felt it would have been a wrong thing to have attacked Saul from behind. I mean, that would have made David look like a coward. And again, remember that every action of a king reflects his character. And David had men that looked up to him. And also David showed great respect for Saul, calling him his father and bowing his face down to the ground to show honor and reverence to Saul, even though in his heart he knew that he's been anointed king. And David will have served Saul in any capacity because he knew that his time was not yet there. Same thing as Christ. Remember when they wanted to make him king? And he said, no, my time has not come. So David knew the timings of God. He knew that he had to wait for God's leading. And then the final verses talks about when David finished saying this, 
This is from 16 to 22. How am I doing with time? Okay. It says, Saul, Saul then replied David, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You've, re, you've treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, he does not let him get away unharmed. May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now, swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe, wipe out my name from the, my father's family. And so David gave his oath to Saul and then Saul returned home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. I find in scripture something really amazing. The fact that nothing was written down. Everything was verbal, but it carried power and conviction. Even marriages, people didn't marry at the end and they give them a certificate. No, it was just standing before God, holding hands and declaring commitment. And he was honored. So Saul, asking David to hold a covenant between both of them, David honored it till he died. But I keep asking myself, why is that not the case even today? Why is our word not our bond? David's humility changed Saul's heart. I mean, if you look at Psalm 25 verse 8, the Bible is full of scripture, you know, words that talk about how God sees the humble. In Psalm 25 verse 8, it says that God is upright, God and upright is the, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners on the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. No matter how hard a situation, a humble disposition dispels conflict and brings conciliation always in every situation. I tell you, a humble heart can open doors of steel. It can soften a heart of stone. And we see that in the way Saul looked towards David because of humility. But Saul also knew one thing, that David was the man of honor. Because if David was not an honorable person, Saul would not have sought a covenant with him. He knew that David would keep his word. Hence, and he also knew, I think Saul was also prophesying, because he prophesied that, that David was going to be king. And he also prophesied that the kingdom of Israel will be um, steadfast in David's hand. And it was, as he did prophesy. But Saul knew that because of David's honor, that he would hold that covenant till he died. And David did. So, what has David's action taught us about our relationship with God? The first thing I notice is that if we are in God's plan, we don't need a plan B. You don't. 
I, I've discovered that personally. The Bible teaches us that the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by God in Psalm 37, verse 23. So if we allow God to have his way, he will make all things work for our good. If you remember Romans 8, 28, that, and we know that in all things, God works together for our good. So you shouldn't have a plan B. In fact, the idea of, of a plan B is so wrong, is so ungodly. Because it makes it like, you know, you've got your own scheme, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll try my own way. Or most times we try our own way, and then if it doesn't work out, say, God, what are you saying? You know? So we, just like David, knew that he was in God's plan. He didn't need to try and work out his ascent to the throne because he knew that God will make all things work together for his good. Amen. I use myself as an example, for instance. I, at the beginning of this year, last, last year, my job was suddenly given to somebody else, right under me. And I, I was shocked. I couldn't believe how it happened, but it was done. And it was done in such a way that do what you want. Now, I had a lot of options. One of the options was to quit and move away. But the impact it will have had will have been my students will have suffered seriously, especially the ones doing their final exams. Many of them kind of, and funny enough, I was the only geography teacher in the whole school. So I had to teach all year groups. Plus, I had to plan lessons for the non-specialists who were now supporting the department. So I could have just walked, and they would have been in serious trouble. But God, for some reason, I did not. Instead, I stayed, and I walked under the new leader humbly, and in fact, the faculty became the best faculty in the whole school. We worked so well together. The lady that got my job, I held no grudge against her. Even the people that took my job, God made me forgive them. But in the long run, I now have a, I had a school approach me from nowhere, and I wasn't planning to change jobs. From nowhere, a school approached me and made me an offer for a leadership role. And it was shocking, really because I wasn't expecting it. Most of you that know me, you know that I was planning a different direction. But from nowhere, God brought this school to say, look, we need you. We, we are desperate to have you come and join our school. It was almost like, name your price. What do you need for us to, to come work for us? And that could have been only God. And I humbled myself because he asked me to. I forgave because Christ forgave me. But we know that forgiveness brings release. It does. Forgiveness releases you from the shackles of hatred and anger and class your thoughts and your perception of life. But I wasn't always like this. Most of you that know me know my background and how I started life. As a child, my dad died when I was about six months. And so I grew up without having a father. 
And that made me a very angry young man. As a teenager, I had rage. I didn't know where it came from, but I knew that there was a hole in my heart that needed feeling that wasn't filled. Every day, I subconsciously cried out for my dad. And I, it got me stuck in one place I had no direction. And over time, the wound in my heart began to fester. And I wasn't just angry with the fact that I had no, I was angry with everybody now. <laughs> you know, I was just an angry young man until one evening in October 1992, I had that almost a road to Damascus experience. And I will never forget that day when God arrested me. Right in the middle of a road, dusty road. Those of you that know Nigeria, you know Idumota. In the middle of the road, people passing me by, I knelt on the ground and raised my hand to the skies and said, Lord, if you live, if you are alive, can you see me? Do you see me? You, my mother told me so much about you. Thank God for the prayers of a praying mother. My mother told me about you, that you never leave me or forsake me, but I feel like you've forsaken me. And God began to speak to me right there. Nobody led me to Christ. I, he, for some, I ran to him because I was in a desperate place. But ever since then, fast forward 35 years after, and I'm here, and God is still doing an amazing work. Church, I promise you one thing. Forgiveness, loving your enemy is impossible. Forget what the Bible says. I'm serious. It's impossible. Have you ever seen somebody that you hate? And rage that fills your head. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because he's the only one. You watch TikTok movies. Who, who, I, I don't have TikTok, but I do see. So who watches TikTok? You know that thing that you go on for two hours and you don't know what you've done. And then your, your laugh is just, two hours of your laugh is just gone. And, you, and you're thinking, what just happened? <laughs> Most of the videos shows all these people that they call them something, something called currents. You know, people that get karma, instance. We want, I want payback now and now. So when somebody, something happens to us, we want revenge. Even in Hollywood, all the Hollywood movies, you always get payback in the end. The hero always, you know, of course, he kills everybody, he gets the girl. But, <laughs> but that's how We've been wired. Revenge. We never think about the fact, actually, I could forgive. I could actually say, let the will of God be done in this situation. Because as Christians, that is God's expectations of us. I mean, think about it, guys. What is the greatest act of forgiveness? Isn't it the cross? The blood, the death and suffering of Christ, that paid a price we will never repay. And if God forgives us, if God has chosen to sacrifice himself for us, why do we struggle then to forgive others? Why do we allow forgiveness to become something that is far-fetched, or we forgive and we kind of keep a little bit, you know, because how can I just let everything go? But God is saying, let go. 
and let God. And my exhortation this morning is this. I know. Sometimes you don't even know that it's there. I wish the young people were here because I would have loved them to hear some of this. But sometimes you don't even know it's there. But you have unforgiveness in certain areas of your life. There are people that you have kind of at work, when they pass by, there's that niggling thing in your heart, you know, this person did me wrong, you know. I wish they can get this. And my prayer this morning, and I pray that we can have some time to actually pray into this. And I pray Holy Spirit right now begin to bring to memory. You know, the Bible is, the Holy Spirit is, such, is so amazing. He can re- bring to your memory those instances of unforgiveness in your heart. So Lord, I pray right now, may you begin to remind us of people, either those that we've wronged and you feel that they are holding a grudge. They have not forgiven you. Maybe we need to make a phone call when we leave church today and call people to say, look, I'm really sorry. I messed up. Please forgive me. Could be family, friends, even enemies. Christ exhorted us in Matthew 5, 43 to 40. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Then you may be children of your Father in heaven. That's Christ exhorting us to forgive even our enemies. People that you feel this person has really done me in. My prayer this morning is that God will help and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will let go that the Spirit of God will come this morning and just wash all that anger, bitterness, just wash all of that out of your life so that you can be free to even go to that enemy and share Christ. Because, because I believe in my heart that the reason why Christ is asking us to love our enemies is to draw them to the kingdom of God. Because your enemy will be shocked to know that Despite everything they've done to you, you still love, even like in my school, people are, were thinking that I was going to make the person that took my job, I would make their life miserable. That I would be like, you know, the, you know like a, a, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not joining. I'm not doing anything. I'm not supporting you. That was what people expected because that's what the world expects of us. But I promise you, the day, I think it was Christmas last year, I wrote a card to that lady, thanking her for a brilliant term. She cried. She was weeping. She was weeping in her office because she didn't expect that. She said, you know, Andrew, I didn't, I didn't expect that from you because she was expecting the opposite. So I'd love for us to, if it's possible, if it's okay, can we have a time of prayer? If it's possible to, to just pray into Situations where we have, we feel that people have done us wrong and we can't, we're struggling to let the Holy Spirit, just to let go of it, to forgive them. I'd like for us to pray this morning that God will bring release in Jesus' name. Is that okay? Please.
Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us all that we need for life and holiness. And our heart is, this morning our hearts are open, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are, the Bible says that he will remind us of all things. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you can come even now and begin to remind us of areas in our lives where we've held on to grudge in people's hearts or we've held a grudge against people where there is unforgiveness that might have lasted even a long period of time. It could be a family member. It could be an enemy, somebody that we are not even any close to. But Lord, I pray this morning that you'll come. Come and help us to let go. Come and help us to allow you to replace those of you that have issues with, the, you know, like me, before I became saved, where the absence of your father has left a hole in your heart and you've struggled to have that filled. This morning I pray that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will come and fill that hole right now. That he will see, feel the embrace of God, our Father, who has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I myself have had several examples in my life where God enabled me to forgive those who have done wrongs in my life. And I can testify that forgiveness brings release and forgiveness brings healing. Amen. Forgiveness brings restoration. Forgiveness brings health to us. Forgiveness is a gift that God gives us. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit of God enables us to do. Because when we look at him, we look at the greatest example of forgiveness that has ever been shown. We have been forgiven of our sins. Amen. We have been forgiven once for all. And he took up the punishment that, was, that should have fallen on us. And on the basis of that, he forgives us. He cleanses us. Amen. Jesus, we just thank you so much for you're so good. You have set an example for us that we can follow. But we need your help. Thank you, Lord. We need your help. Yes. We need your strength. Amen. And Lord, we just pray, Father, yes. that you will speak to everyone here, yes. whoever is finding it difficult yes. to cope with forgiveness. Mm. Lord, 
we ask that you impart this gift of forgiveness. Set them free, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Set them free, Lord. Or release the shackles, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Release the shackles in the name of Jesus. Release the bondages in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, give them the spirit of forgiveness. That they may forgive and be healed in return. And be set free in return. Be set free from the poison that they have been drinking for years and years and years. Bring healing to their souls, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. As we just continue in prayer right now, I really feel that what Tox has brought has been something of the spirit. It's been a combination of word and spirit. And the spirit and the word together, like a sharp two-edged sword, is doing some work right now. And so just as we continue, for some of us right now, this is the moment to forgive and also for others to ask for forgiveness from God first. And then indeed it may well be from others in due course in the coming hours, days or weeks. But right now, just before God, if you know that you need to forgive from your heart before God, not before anybody else, but before God, anybody, and you know God is pointing the finger, can I just encourage you, you can do what you want outwardly, You may want to just bring your hands before God. But right now, at this very moment, release forgiveness to that person. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to now be at work and to help us. Because as Tox said, it's impossible without his help. Amen. So in Jesus' name right now, I just ask Holy Spirit, will you come and do a transforming work in our hearts. For some it's to do with your workplace. Just like Tox used his own example. Just forgive. Just let that forgiveness come right now. For some, it's in relation to family. Spirit of God, just come now. Just forgive. Just in your own heart, say, I forgive this person because of this thing that was said or this situation. Just let him come right now. Forgive because Christ has forgiven you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just forgive. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And now for those that need to ask God for forgiveness. Amen. For things that you have done and said, 
or not done and said that you ought to have done, or done and said that you ought not to have done. Now's the time for freedom. Now's the time to ask forgiveness from God. And then afterwards, it'll also be from the person that you have wronged. Amen. If it's still practically possible to do so. Spirit of God, would you come and enable across this room where forgiveness is needed. Come right now and enable us to say, Lord, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. It's just between you and God right now. Later it will be between you and somebody else. Come, Lord, just release forgiveness. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Enabling forgiveness to flow in both directions. From you to us and us to others. Thank you, Lord. I'm sure there'll be many stories. That will come out of this morning. In the days and weeks to come. Coyote? Um, um, this is more something practical. Um, I struggle for a long time when it comes to forgiving people because you see the person and the emotions just kick up all over again. And something I learned, um, learned somewhere a few years ago, a lot of years ago, was um, the practicality of forgiving someone is, yes, God helps us, but you have to know how your emotions and your mind works. I'll first read the scripture, because I always like my, whatever principles I used to be based on God's word. Um, this is a scripture that's actually quoted, uh, Matthew 5:43. It says, you have heard that it's, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, um, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So um, initially, I just used to think, oh, it's just it's the action of praying itself that helps you forgive them. But at least the way it's worked in my life is to say, um, your emotions drive the way you behave, but your emotions are subject to your will. Amen. And your will is subject to God's will. So the moment your will bows to God's word, you then have to do what God's word says you should do to keep his, his will. And if God says pray, what praying does is you have to speak something positive about the person. You have to start declaring something good for the person. So let's assume I, I hate um, Brother Ijal for whatever reason. He's done something to upset me. The moment I start declaring that he increases in prosperity, he's healthy, his family is healthy, it's hard for, him, for my emotions to then kick up. It's almost like you're subjecting your emotions to God's will because what you're doing when you're praying for someone you're asking God to bless the person you're asking God to improve the person and it's a practical way to make your mind sorry your, your emotions bow to your will and your will bow to God's will and so it's, it's a practical way because sometimes we say yes we forgive we we accept we forgive but then we go out and life happens and then you see the person and then the person does something again and it's like are you kidding me this person is doing the same thing like I've forgiven them but when you're praying for them, you're refusing to look at what they're doing. You're choosing to look at what God can do for them. And you're bowing your emotions, most importantly, you're bringing your emotions 
under your will and your will under God's will. Amen. Amen. Uh, I just wanted to add the fact that David's forgiveness of Saul did not depend on Saul. In fact, it had nothing to do with Saul, but everything to do with David's relationship with God. So forgiving somebody has got nothing to do with the person. It's just like um, Kaido had said, it's, it's actually us obeying the word of God. And that is, the Bible, the other thing the Bible says that obedience, God honors obedience more than sacrifice. Amen. Thank you, Talks. Well done. Really well done. Great. I really appreciate it. I know many of you seated here, um, the Holy Spirit is you know, dealing with us now, Amen. right now. I believe and I can feel that there's so many people seated here who are hurt deep within. You are hurt. It was unfair what was done to you. You are hurt from within. And that is what is coming out as unforgiveness, as, um, you know what, well, I don't want to do anything with them. Yeah, Lord, I want to forgive them, but I don't want to do anything with them. A few weeks ago, we had Dave Devnish teach about strongholds. Yeah. And one of the things he taught, and I just want to remind, I feel we need to hear it today. Acceptance comes from God. Rejection comes from the devil. Amen. Right? Acceptance comes from God. Rejection comes from the devil. The way we want to forgive is that, Lord, yes, you asked us to forgive, we forgive. But I don't want to do anything with that person anymore. I don't want to look at them like, yeah, I'm forgiven and done and dusted. Okay, no more. That is rejection. Mm. When they come to you when you have forgiven and if they feel or face or experience rejection, that's not right. You know why rejection comes from the devil? Because he was the first one to be rejected. He was cast out from heaven. You see, that scripture teaches us very well. And that rejection he wants to put in all of us. You do the same. You do the same. Reject people. Keep rejecting. If you say you have forgiven and you're still rejecting people and the other people who come to you or whoever is come to you, coming to you is feeling rejection, we have not quite forgiven them. What shows that we have forgiven them is when we accept them. The Bible clearly tells in his, uh, the prodigal son story, you all know that, yeah? The son comes running and says, the Bible clearly says, I love the verse, it says, even while he was still long way off, the father didn't come and wait, okay, I'll wait for him, let him come and say sorry, and then I will forgive him. No, even while he was still long way off, the father ran to him, put his arms around him, hugged him, I was waiting for you. And that is acceptance. Do you understand? That is many times we feel we are ready to forgive when the other person asks for forgiveness. We are ready to forgive when the other person is suffering, when I can see justice happening in their life. You know, when I said they were unfair to me, and because of that, when they pay a price, mm, yes, God has done right to them. Now I'm ready to forgive them. No, no, that's not the way God forgives us. So let us show God's acceptance by completely, as, as K.O.D. brought, as um, um, Tox was teaching us, let's 
bury our emotions in Jesus Christ and overcome it with the love of God and show our acceptance to them. I don't know what it means to you today to show your acceptance to the person. If there's anybody here sitting and as we prayed, you know, um, uh, Ensign Uncle and Tim would really led us really well in our time of prayer. It's not just prayer, but you need to show it in action. If you feel, if you can think of someone as a, actually, you know what, that person is facing rejection from me. Let me encourage you. Through the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, do something today that will make them feel accepted. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hudson. You know, um, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, reminded that, um, you know, you don't have to wish ill on somebody who has hurt you. It just pops into your head just like that. (laughs) And you are thinking, being a leader, you're a saintly person. No, 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 no. Everyone is the same. And all, all of us have to deal with these emotions on a daily basis. And I remember each time when somebody hurts or somebody does something bad to me, thoughts come into my mind wishing bad on them. It's not me wishing, it just pops into my head. And I have to remind myself that I am a child of God and I'm called to bless, not to curse. And I have to keep reminding myself of this day in and day out. So church, God bless you. Talks, thank you very much. I love your statement that says, if we are in God's plan, then you don't need a plan. Okay, no plan B. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.